Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor hey, Vinny. I have Elizabeth Dotson. Uh, she is a co-founder of Home Zappa. Simple and easy. It's kind of fun to say too, Zappa. Well, technically it's Zada. Oh, that's Zappa. okay. That's all right. <laughs> it's still fun to say. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you for, for being on here. Um, so I mean, I don't bring it up a lot. I'm in the real estate field. This is kind of a fun thing right here. I thought it's such a, it's such a great idea uh, what you're doing, kind of bringing everything together. And there's so much technology. I always joke about it all the time. There's, it's like shiny objects all over the place. And you're trying to find, okay, what's the better shiny object here, here, here. And kind of diving into to your platform, I was just like, oh, wow, that's that's a great idea. And I think a lot of people have tried to do it. It seems like you're on a really great path of actually succeeding and doing it. Yeah. So um, thanks for having me, first of all. And uh, thanks for everyone who's joining us today on this live event. Um, one of the things that we do at Homesada is we actually help homeowners manage their homes the best way we see fit. And part of doing that is bringing them all the ability for them to take all these photos of the contents that they have, track all their maintenance calendar activities, track all their projects, their finances, all in one central safe and secure location, whether they use their desktop or their phone. So, I mean, we're going to dive deeper into yeah. to Homesada. I'd love to hear your story. I mean, where it sure. came from. I know you have a background in, in uh, commercial or in the in basically corporate world, not commercial, yeah. corporate world. But where did you come from? Where did Elizabeth yeah. come from? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Baltimore. So outside of Baltimore, in Baltimore, Maryland. I now live in Northern California. And um, yes, I found my way through the tech industry from Baltimore to here. And I was in the commercial construction technology space in Baltimore at a hardware company. And then um, I met these gentlemen that started um, a commercial construction project management software company. And it was cutting edge at the time. It was really on the rise, huge opportunities. And they had their facilities in the Sacramento, California area. And they said, do you want a job coming to the company? And so I packed up, left my house in Maryland and rented it and then moved to the Sacramento area and started working in the software world and still in the same industry, commercial construction. and learned how technology was working, learned how we could provide value to commercial construction industry and make it more efficient. And then also what I noticed was um, living from one side of the country to the next, different weather patterns, different materials. So my homes required different activities. I then bought a home, but then I also built a home after I sold that last home in the Sacramento area. And I watched that process as well. And then I have this new home and now I want to take care of it. And yet I couldn't figure out how to do it in an efficient way. And it was really frustrating. So I knew that there was some possibility that managing a home could be easy because here we are working with commercial construction companies and all the owner operators that build these beautiful buildings around the world, stadiums, Disney parks, um, roadways, toll booths, you name it we actually probably they, these companies probably used our software and so i said there's got to be a better way for us as homeowners to manage everything 
There's got to be a better way. And I looked and looked and looked and I looked and looked and looked and then I looked and looked and looked and nobody had built something. And so we had sold the Meridian company in 2006, uh, went to work for the publicly traded company in the corporate world. Great experience. Wonderful. So I had the startup experience as well as the corporate experience. And then here we are. Um, four years later, my co-founders came to me and said, let's go start the business that you want to start because we think you're onto something and nobody has built it yet. So here we are. And lo and behold, we have Hamzada and it's helping homeowners and professionals all over the world manage properties and work with their customers. So how long ago was this an idea? Oh, uh, that was a long time. It was 20 years ago. Okay. 20 years ago. I looked for 10 years. And then here we are like nine years later with Hamzala. So 20 years ago, now that your co-founders, mm -hmm. were they also your colleagues or who, who are they? They were, they were my colleagues at the previous business. In fact, one of my co-founders in this business, he was the co-founder of the previous business. So he really had the entrepreneurial itch. And, you know, um, like most people say, once you get it, you, you kind of want to keep it going. And I noticed that with my other co-founder as well, he also started several companies and was available and he is now our CTO in our business as well. So here we are today. And that also helped us, I think as well, because we already had relationships together. We already knew where our experiences are as members of our team. And what I mean by that is one individual has certain roles and responsibilities within the organization. Another individual has other roles and responsibilities and so on and so forth. And that helps us know where our swim lanes are and know how we can grow the business a lot faster. And so that's kind of where we are and also building that trust among each other. We already had it because we already worked with each other for so long. So let's jump back 20 years ago. You have the idea, right? Mm -hmm. You thinking, okay, it has to be a better way. You're are you open about it with your coworkers? Is it over a, a glass of wine and it kind of just pops up? Hey, this is what I'm thinking or what, how do you, how do you, some people are afraid to let their idea out to other people because they right. think they're going to get stolen. Right. So what happened with you? Yeah. So, yeah. So just FYI, ideas are just ideas. Unless you're going to execute on it, it doesn't matter. It, I'm just going to put that out there because I'm not the only one that's ever had this idea. Like everyone, a lot of other people have probably had the idea. But for me, honestly, it was the most hilarious thing. I just kept complaining in the office. I'm traveling all the time. I'm like, I don't understand. There's got to be a broader. I mean, the entire office heard me complaining about this. Hundreds of people. I'm like, I just don't understand. Has anyone come across anything? And I was asking for people if they knew of a solution. Nobody did. And they thought I was a little bit, I probably thought I was crazy going, why are you worried about this? We've got we to gotta go sell product. We've got to go market product for the commercial side of things, for the commercial construction side of things. And I said, because my life is really challenging, I'm traveling all the time, I've got a lot going on, I really need to make sure I'm maintaining my house and I'm also not wasting money because that's happened quite a few times as well. But they all kind of just looked at me like I was crazy. And then all of a sudden they kept hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And the frustration wasn't going away, but I was so busy in my existing role. It did require someone else to initiate the discussion. So, so the idea is an idea. Then when did it actually start bearing fruit where it was like, okay, I'm going to actually build this idea. Mm -hmm. Was it 
when they came to you 10 years later or were you slowly kind of over time kind of seeing how you can actually implement it? No, it did come from when my one of my co-founders came to me 10 years later. Like I I was happy in my job. I was busy. I did not need to start another startup because I was an early stage employee of this particular company. I was like, I didn't need to be in it. I'm like, let's just get it done. And so I was for sure someone else had already created something. I just didn't find it yet. That's what I was thinking. But then one of my co-founders did his own research after hours and said, no, I don't see anything out there. And he kept looking and then he came to me and said, I think it's time. I think there's another software startup in us. And um, how do we make that happen? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he's the one that initiated the idea. Like you have this idea, here's what I see with it. And he's a product designer. And so his mind is actually designing the product as he's speaking to me. And I was now envisioning what it looks like. And I go, well, I hear what you're saying, but it needs to do this or it needs to do that, or it needs to work this way or that way. And all of a sudden we were sitting there verbally designing this product. And we said, okay, this is a viable option. This could be a huge market opportunity. So there is a market opportunity for this because if we're homeowners that are struggling with this, there's got to be other homeowners that are also struggling. So we looked at what could it be, meaning the product itself, the design of it. Then we looked at our experience. Yep. We come with software experience. So we know how to build products and we know how to market it and take it to the market. And then we looked at the opportunity, the market opportunity. Is there a market opportunity for something like Hamzada? And at the time we didn't have a name for it, by the way, it was just some sort of um, side name, but we said, is there a market opportunity? And we started looking at that and said, yes, there's 120 million homeowners in the United States alone. This could be a global organization long-term. And we do, Hamzada does have customers in 20 international countries, yet we don't market internationally. So we do know that international opportunities will um, be something for our future. And we started looking at what is it that we need to make sure we can execute on this. And the one thing we needed now that we had the idea, now that we're flushing out the design, now that we're looking at the market opportunity is we need a developer co-founder because my one co-founder, John and I, we aren't developers. We can design it. We can market it. We can sell it. We can talk to, we can manage the finances of the company and the organization, but we cannot develop product. So that's when David, we took the idea to David and said, are you interested in joining us in this process? And here's what it could look like. And this is why we need your skills because you have the development capabilities and we don't. And then he did his own research and also looked at, okay, what's the market opportunity? And is there a viable product? Can we build this? What could this look like? And then we came together and we said, all right, this is something we believe is viable for these conditions. We've got the team, we've got the market opportunity and we've got a design element. And now that design is going to improve and get better because we've got this developer co-founder as well. And lo and behold, we set up a company, we figured out a name, which was a funny um, process, trying to figure out a name for a company. And then moving forward, here we are today. What does it mean? Really? Uh, the name. So um, funny story, uh, we had a whiteboard. We put a lot of different names on the whiteboard and Hamzada is the one that went out. But basically 
We wanted the word home because we knew that's what we're trying to manage. We also wanted a .com. And when you're trying to search for a .com and it's got home in it, like everything's taken. And then we also said, what do we do? We said, we help people organize the data about their home. We help them manage the data about their home. Well, homemanagement.com is too long and it sounds boring. Home organization, yeah, no, that's not gonna fly. They're gonna confuse us with other things. So we started looking at international languages. And in Spanish, the female version of organize, organizing is organizada. So we started stripping words apart and said, okay, can we use this? Is it Zada home, home Zada? Can we, and we did that with a lot of words. And then we said, okay, home Zada looks like it's winning out. So let's go look and make sure that we're not offending anybody because we knew this was, could be a market opportunity. And then we found out the word Zada is also a female uh, girl's name in Arabic and in Hindi. And it means prosperous and blessed. And I said, we're in. So here we are today. Now, the one of your founders started another startup. And yes. And you were part of that original group. Yes. Did you have to leave your startup to start this company or were there funds available that you actually could get a salary when you started up this company? How Great did that question. work? Great question. So we had sold that previous startup and we had been working for the corporate organization for four years. So we did have salaries. We did have an exit strategy with that startup, um, but we were not tied to that anymore. Um, that company who acquired us did not require us to stay. Um, any of us, any of us could have left, but a lot of the core members of that original company, which was called Meridian is there. Some of them are still at the company. It's a great, great organization. Our products are, were amazing when they were out in the marketplace. And so we decided because we had had an exit strategy and some of us did fairly well. And we also, needed to start the startup, we had to sever our ties in order to commit to the startup. And part of the reason why we had to do that as well is when you work in a, in a job that you're in, you end up working a lot of hours and we were really committed to the company that we were working, that we first were a part of, which was Meridian, then Trimble. And we were committed to that organization. And if we tried to do this on the side as a side hustle, we knew we weren't going to be able to be truly focused either on the home Zada product or our roles within Trimble. And we didn't think that was fair to Trimble nor to the product home Zada. So what we decided to do is sever our ties and resign from our, our jobs with Trimble, which was in our thought process, the best thing possible. And then we used some of the capital from the sale of the previous company to start home Zada. Now we did go out for a, what we refer to as a seed round. And we did also go out to other angels and those other angels are um, approved investors. They are family friend type approved investors. And then also angels that do this for a living. So organizations that do this for a living that filled out this round to allow us to continue to um, build out our product. But I will say this, as startup co-founders, um, and for anyone who's ever started a business, you don't take salaries for a while. You're, you're, you're there to commit to building a product and to marketing that product and getting it out to the market. And you just change your lifestyle a bit. You, you figure out how to minimize certain spending habits. You learn to go back to the early days when you were like in college and you're like, okay, 
we're going to, we're going to have some fun, but we're really committed to this company and we want to grow it. So we're going to make some changes. Did, um, did you or any of your co-founders have significant others when that transition happened? Yes. So we all do. Yes. Okay. How was and that? So, um, so I'll be forthright. The first, um, one of my co-founders is my husband and, uh, that has a lot of different dynamics. So for us in our, um, in our process, we had to make sure that we were separating professional time from personal time. Because most people, when you are in a, a startup together, you work around the clock. And so you have to purposely and intentionally carve out time where there's no work because you'll do it 24 seven. And then you'll forget to be a couple. You'll forget that there's a marriage. You'll forget to go visit your friends, your family. You'll forget all those things because you're so in, involved in this business. So intentionally, we set guidelines to help with that process. And my other co-founder, he has um, a spouse and two kids. And one of the things that Hamzada has enabled him to do is to work from home and build that relationship with his kids and his wife while still working for a startup and being a part of a technology company like he wants to be. How is the separation of personal to business with your, your husband Let's say because it's three co-founders yeah. when him and your other co-founder say we want to go this way and you want to go another direction. Yeah. How do you how do you go? OK, I'm angry at you, business you, but not personal you. I'm going to separate this. How does that process go for yourself? Oh, that's a great question. So um, the first thing you have to do is you do have to separate the personal from the professional. And uh, my husband and I are fortunate that we've been working together for a long, long time, for over 20 years together. And one of the things that you do is we evaluate um, the business aspect of it. So we basically talk about verbal business cases or written business cases. And what I mean by that is when you look at an idea, why would we build out the product in one area? And what is what kind of revenues is it going to bring to the, to the table? What's it going to fix if it needs a, a repair or there's other enhancements that are happening? So for instance, if there's a new version of mobile apps, do we need to get up to par with that? That's just a necessity. Is there um, a new feature set that we need to add? And then why? Is it a partner's asking for it? Is it a customer's asking for it? How many customers? What will this do? How will this, what will this cost? How long will it take? What would be our release date? Are we gonna market it? All those different areas. We just talk about that from a business perspective. And then we bring not only to the table that one idea, but actually multiple ideas. Because what we look at is what are the options that we can do that can either improve the product, um, we can change out our marketing, what does that look like? And then we evaluate that against different options. And then we come to the table as a team also and talk about those options. Because when you can talk about the different things that are going on, you can also come to the table and say, maybe none of these options are actually great. Maybe we're, we've just discovered a fourth option that we really need to consider. And that's the option that's going to happen. But one of the things that happens in um, startup company and even some small companies, we, send, we tend to get in our workday and we forget what's going on with all of our colleagues. 
And yet their impact has an impact on what we're going to be doing in our days moving forward and, and vice versa. So how do we bring all that to the table to make the best decisions? And believe it or not, we all, um, because there's three of us, it's almost like at one point, you know, I'll side with David and then David will side with John and John will side with David, John will side with me. I mean, we have it all the time. Like whoever's, whatever's going on at that moment, it's not personal. It's what do we think is best for the business? And then if we don't understand why other people are bringing a certain option to the table, that's when you learn to ask a lot of questions. And we are questioning people. We constantly are questioning the situation and moving forward. The other thing that we also take a look at when it comes to decision-making as part of the business plan, which I highly encourage anyone to do in any business, is evaluate the data. And what I mean by that is, what are clients requesting? How many clients are requesting it? Why are they requesting it? What are people using in the software? You know, where are they seeing challenges? And then if it comes to marketing, what marketing capabilities are working and why? Like, can you actually measure it from, or is there traffic to your site? Is there, um, is there um, more information or did it cost too much to put this together? And then it didn't pan out. I mean, just look at all the different variables to make sure that you can understand and bring that data to the table. And it's also not a pure subjective, I think this is what it's gonna be and this is where we need to go. It's also an objective decision as well because you have data that backs it up. One thing you said about the questions, keep asking questions. Is yes. there a rule of thumb, at least that you've come across with your colleagues, when to stop asking the questions? Is it 24 hours, 48 hours, a couple of weeks? Or do you just keep asking the questions until you actually feel comfortable in the decision? So we keep asking the questions, keep asking them. However, we also set a deadline. Okay. <laughs> Deadlines force those questions. And the reason being is because, as I think you're trying to indicate, if you keep asking questions, it could de delay a process and then nothing ever gets done. And that is one thing we are not about like something still has to get done. Even if it's a no, something still has to get done. So what does that look like? And when are we going to start the process? And so deadlines are really helpful for all three of us in order to make the decisions. And then we look at, okay, is it a product enhancement or some sort of feature set? When do we think the delivery date's going to be so that we can get the marketing side of the, the area going? And then if it's a marketing activity, when are we gonna roll this out? What does this look like? How long is it gonna run? How, when are we gonna do the measurements? And then when are we gonna meet again to review those measurements? So deadlines play a role in making those decisions, but asking questions, I say do it all the time because it may result in something new the next time around. Can you, can you walk us through um, your exit strategy? You talked about that earlier. Yep. I know some people, I mean, they're in, like you said, you're in corporate world, you're in your job, mm -hmm. and you might have an idea of doing something else, yet you're you're in it every day, and when you're done with it, you just wanna relax, so you don't actually try to build out a strategy yep. to leave. I mean, what are the timeframes that you looked at when you were building that exit strategy, and what, what was that process like? Yeah, so, um... That was, I remember that that was that was very difficult um, because I literally loved my the company I was working with. I love the people I was working with. I love the products and what they did for the industry. Everything about it was like I felt like it was a, a child. 
And um, what I mean by that is I don't have children of my own. So I was like, I love this company. I love everything about it. And um, it was a struggle. Do I leave? Don't I stay? Do I, I, what could happen? But I also knew the way I commit to a company. I work really long hours. That's just who I am. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay at the current company in my current position, work the kind of hours I was working and then put in the time I needed to start another company. And so evaluating that process, albeit it was very challenging in my head. I said to myself, okay, I have to let one phase of my career go in order to try this. Because if I don't try it, then I'm going to, I'm going to keep asking what could have been. And I'm going to keep saying to myself, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have. And then some people may say, well, what if you, you leave and you say, well, you should have stayed. And like, I also understood that if push comes to shove and I left and things didn't work out with Hamzada, then I knew I could find another opportunity, whether it was in the previous industry that I was in, in the industries that I'm now being a part of, or in some other capacity, because I know that personally I could get another job. I just knew that that was a possibility, but trying to run this new company, I knew that this opportunity was sitting in front of my face. And I had two other co-founders who were eager to be a part of this, that I may not get this, the timing may not align if I don't take this initiative right now. And so I literally started talking about this in July. I remember this July of 2010. And then I made my decision, I believe at the end of August, because I had to think about it. And then once my decision is made, the kind of person I am, I'm done. And so at the end of the year, I was going to leave the Meridian slash Trimble organization. And then on January 1st of the next year, I was going to start this other company. And I made the decision and I was stuck on my decision. It was very challenging. Um, I couldn't tell a lot of people at the organization for a very long time. And uh, the Trimble organization also, you know, they wanted to roll out this messaging because not only was I leaving, but so was my other CTO. And so was the co-founder of the original company, which happens to be my husband, but he was also the president at the time. So it was a complicated kind of process to roll out the messaging. But once my mind was made up, I was like, no, I'm all in. I have to let one um, part of my story go and go into the next story. But that's just also my personality. But it was not without its challenges. And believe me, I think I cried. I think I yelled because it was like, this is something that I loved. I loved Meridian. I loved Trimble and I loved the people. And I felt like I was kind of abandoning everybody. But in reality, I knew I wasn't. Did um, so you talked about the idea when you when you start a, a new company, you have to lower your expenses, right? You have to lower your expenses. Yes. So did you have a set number in August till the end of the year that you wanted to start lowering your expenses and start saving money? Was there a set number or was it just like I need to start lowering my expenses, start understanding how to do this? So I didn't have a set number, um, okay. but I did started lowering expenses okay. in that August time frame. I said, OK, I have to start getting prepared to understand what this means. And then I started looking at um, travel schedules. I started looking at, you know, costs as it relates to um, working from home. Um, one of the things you do when you go into an office every day, most people forget, they usually go out to lunch a lot. So now you gotta make your lunch. 
you go and grab a coffee on the way to the office. Well, now you got to make a coffee at home. Little things like that make a big difference. And I'm not saying to not ever go out and get coffee or not ever go out and have a lunch because I still do that with my, my friends and colleagues pre pandemic. Um, but I don't do it as often as I did. Like every day I would go into the office and I'd stop and get a coffee from wherever. And then three day, three nights, three days a week, I would go out to lunch with somebody. So I'm like, all right, that's just got to stop. And so you start looking at all that and you start making dinners at home as well. And so all those different elements you start paying attention to, you don't need necessarily work clothes. You don't, you're not traveling to go into meetings anymore. You, you need less of those and you, the ones that you have, you can stay with. And I know that's probably not a foreign concept for most men, but for women, we just love our clothes. And so it's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to be satisfied with what we have. And so you start making those adjustments and, um, you start focusing on where do you need to manage your money, not only personally, but also within the business, because that becomes very challenging as well. How do you how do you manage and say, OK, we need more development money, but we also need marketing money, but we also need insurances for the business. Plus, we also need travel for the business to go do business development meetings. And this was pre pandemic. But how do you also understand how to prioritize that? And that becomes a very tricky situation. And, it, and it's one where our team discusses it regularly. How does that, how does that discussion go? Um, sometimes positive, sometimes frustrating. Um, a good thing about that is, you know, you need to continue to market or excuse me, to build out your product. And there's things that have to get done in the product that you've built a product and you've got updates on other products that you're using within your product. You have to continue to update your product. That's just, a reality check or it won't work at all. So you have to spend money on that. You need to look at, okay, I've got backend development, but I've also got user experience and user design part of the element. What does that look like? And then do I need to outsource that? Do I need to bring it in? If we outsource it, can we get bids to do that? No different than hiring a contractor for your home. Can we get bids and what will that look like? And then um, you also look at the marketing. So when it comes to marketing, can we afford to do this marketing for a year or can we afford to work with these marketing companies for maybe two months and test it, test it out first to see if it's going to work. And then we can decide, do we want to do this month to month so that we can manage money or can we sign a year contract with this organization to help us with our marketing? We look at marketing initiatives. Will this actually work for our organization? And a good example of that is, we get a lot of requests for people who want to work with us on um, like print ad campaigns. And um, that still goes on. And I'm not saying it's, it doesn't work because I do know it works from a branding perspective, but because our priority is to get users to our website, to help educate them about what we do and then eventually to get signups to our platform, we realized that, putting a print ad is not going to work as effectively as let's say a PR campaign that will be better for us. And we've tested those numbers. So we now prioritize exactly how we're going to spend our money. Even though something sounds really great and it's really cool. We're like, you know what, we're going to come back and get grounded and look at what works and then spend our money there. Now, believe you me, when you have to do things with development and you're the person that's in charge of all the marketing and sales. 
and you know development is required, sometimes you get frustrated going, oh, just I just needed that extra dollar for this one project I wanted to test. But the timing just isn't right now. It's not that you're not going to ever do it. It's just not right now. So something we talked about before we got on mic was the idea of what's your biggest struggle has been. And mm -hmm. it's been the idea of getting the word out because this is yeah. a new product. I mean, it's, it's a, I guess, a new idea too. Um, and getting that out, what do you think has been kind of the, the learning curve of figuring out the best way? And I know you talked about it already, I mean, print compared to online, but what does that learning curve look like? So um, the learning curve, there was a lot of learning curve. So remember, as I told you, my journey started as well as my team's journey in B2B, business to business software technology. And we never sold to consumers. Now we're selling to consumers, so B2C, but also to B2B2C, so business to business to consumers. So we have a lot of industries we, we work with. On the consumer side, we had, uh, we had to learn how to communicate with consumers. So that's the first thing. And um, we had to learn how we as a team may be perceived as one set of consumers, but there were other different types of consumers. So we had to learn that. That was a big learning curve for us. The next thing that happened is, we also have partners in real estate, mortgage lending, as well as insurance and a variety of other industries. We don't come from those industries either. So we had to ramp up our education on those industries, how they operate, what the process is, what does that look like? What do, what do people need in those industries? And then what do they value and how they want to work with their customers? And can we help them bridge that gap providing value? So the first part was, pure education on how we learn about these industries and also the consumer marketing. The second part was all about testing. How do we test certain areas of marketing that will work? And what does that look like? Social media and different platforms on social media, which are also very different. Um, video content versus print or photo content, um, media content. Um, do we talk about our product as an all-in-one solution or do we talk about our product in micro messages? So one of the things that we also learned through this journey is that how, even though there's 120 million homeowners in the United States, each one of these homeowners is in a different phase of their homeownership journey. Some people are new homeowners. Some people have been in their homes for a long time. Some people are downsizing. Some people are, are investors. Some people are buying vacation homes. Some people are um, going up in homes because they um, no longer want to live in the urban areas. So a lot of different things are happening over the course of working with Hamzada. And one of the things we start realizing is because these homeowners are in different phases and they're going through different journeys in different locations in the country at different ages and so on and so forth. And by the way, everybody is a user of Hamzada. doesn't matter what your age, what kind of homeowner you are, where you live, et cetera. It is making my life a little bit more fun, but challenging as a marketer. So one of the things that I do is I started playing around with micro messages. So can I talk to a first time homeowner with this message? Can I talk to someone who is buying multiple homes with this message and so on and so forth? And those messages tended to work and we continue with those while still using our all in one solution because that's also still appealing to people. So, Learning how to do that has been um, a big part of the overcoming the challenge of getting the message out about Hamzada. 
and then learning how to get it out with variety of um, sources, helping people understand what does this mean, whether it's PR, whether it's podcast, whether it's um, through social media, whether it's through our partners, what does that look like? And it varies depending on who we're talking to. So with, with Homes Auto, it, it's, it's basically a tracker, right? It's a tracker for all these different um, yeah. contractors, individuals you're going to be using, right? For how do you guys get paid? Is it through like an overage on the work that's being done or how does that work out? Great question. So we are a subscription model. And so we have three tiers. So there is a free tier or what we call essentials. And that gives you um, home inventory so that you can track all that, those contents. Then we have a premium tier, which includes not only home inventory, but maintenance projects and finances so that you can understand more about your home. And you'll get these reminders when your tasks need to be completed and so on and so forth. And then deluxe version is for are uh, homeowners that want to do one of two things. They want to break apart what they've done with their house and then give it to the new buyer of their house so that the buyer can then continue to manage their maintenance projects and has that what we refer to as the fixed assets of the house. And then it's also for those people managing multiple homes and uh, the premium and the deluxe versions are $59 a year and $99 a year respectfully. And people can go in and they can sign up online at homesauto.com. And that's how we build our brand. And then one of the things we do with that and why we also charge for our product is we believe that the homeowner's data is so personal and so specific and so valuable. It belongs to them. And we do not sell their data, which is really, really important. So do you have vendors that are attached to that platform like uh, contractors or is it the home, the homeowner basically gets the contract and then inputs the information into the platform. The latter. So because things are so unique, depending on where you are and homeowners are also unique, homeowners may actually use their own resources. So we have a lot of remodeling contractors as homeowners using Hamzada. So they're like, well, I don't need to hire anybody. I'm going to use my own skills or people have their own preferred contractors or a variety of other service providers that they work with, whether it's, Pull, pull services, cleaning services, lawn services, et cetera. And then the other thing that happens too is many of them may look for other solutions, but they want to input that information into Hamzada. So we speed up the process of creating a home inventory, of uh, setting up your projects and your maintenance calendar. We pre-populate some of this information, but other information, because the home is so personal, the homeowner is entering in a lot of their own data and then at the same time, we work with other professionals on our homes out of professional side. So there are professionals out there that, for instance, will create a home inventory for you and they will give you that through the use of homes out of. There are real estate agents that pre-populate all the documents from a real estate transaction and then send homes out of as a gift to their customers with their branding in it. So there's a variety of different ways to get this information in the system. And then it also varies depending on where the homeowner is in their homeowner life cycle, like I talked about earlier, on what information they're going to track when they first start using Hamzada. And let's say we're talking, let's say five years from now, where mm -hmm. do you see Hamzada evolving into? Where do you see it growing? Where do you see yourself growing to? Yeah, so with Hamzada, I completely see it growing in terms of user base, but also in terms of partners. Uh, we have a lot of partners we work with, and they are recognizing 
that they can extend their brand and stay connected to their customers with Hamzada. And one of the things I also see valuable for Hamzada and the industry is helping homeowners really understand what the total cost of home ownership is for them specifically. Also helping them understand how they can make better decisions as a, with regards to their home. Because we do spend a lot of money on our homes. And then we do have to make a lot of decisions because let's face it, our homes are built of these tiny little parts and pieces that come together that build this beautiful thing that you live in. So helping them understand how to make the best decisions for not only their home, but also their personal finances. And then for me personally, I see the opportunity huge. I will continue to grow in my career. Um, I will continue to grow in my education of working with my customers, working with the consumer um, type of customers, but also my partner customers as well. And I also see Hamzada growing, um, which will also help with my own personal career because I love the fact that when I get to engage with other employees and bringing in other contractors that we work with to help Hamzada grow, you learn a lot and you gain a lot of education from what all these other individuals experiences are to help the product be a better product for everybody else and help yourself become better skilled at knowing how to communicate with everybody. Last question. If let's say someone's listening right now and they they're working with a Elizabeth from 20 years ago, that's constantly talking about this idea, just a random yeah. idea. What should they tell them? What kind of advice would you give to them to tell that Elizabeth? Go for it. <laughs> Go build it. Go build it. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest things that I probably didn't do early enough is I didn't take enough risks early enough. Like I took risks with my career. I mean, I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, like literally with a 30 day decision and just said, see ya, bye later. And um, now it's very common, but back then it wasn't very common. And so I think it's about taking more risks, actually testing out what can happen because the likelihood if you leave your organization with a good relationship, they may want you back someday in the future. So you may not have to worry about that per se, but gaining all this experience, starting a company and growing a company, that's huge. And we always joke um, in our team, we did it at the last company as well. Being in a startup, you can, it's like being in a corporation for seven years. You're doing so many things. You just are all over the map. You have different roles and responsibilities on different days, on different hours. You just literally, you have to do it. No one else is going to do it for you. And there's no one else in the organization that's going to do it for you. So you grow an immense amount when you're in a startup and you actually have to learn how to make decisions very quickly and you grow up fast, I think. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for, for being here. Thank you for telling, walking us through your journey. And I think anyone listening right now, if you have that idea, like she said, uh, everything is just an idea unless you actually do something with it. And there's a lot of ideas out there. So go for it. Go for that journey. Take that risk. Take that gamble. And uh, thank you again, Elizabeth. Any last words you want to throw out there? Thanks. Um, I want to say one, thank you for having me. But uh, no, to everyone else out there, I hope you appreciated this, this information. And if anyone has any questions, they can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always on, on LinkedIn all the time. Perfect. And her information is in the show notes. So thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, please share, and go check out Homes Auto. 
thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.